Sapong, number 15. The speed of Pico, he's in, score, Sapong, for another union. The sprint by El Senior, flag stays down, El Senior is in. Hello everyone, this is the Philly Soccer Show. I'm KWW News Radio's Greg Warlandini. My guest this week is going to be Adam Cam of the Philly Soccer Page, and he's here to break down the tactics of the Philadelphia Union's early start. Joining us from his undisclosed location somewhere out there in the wilderness, uh, the tactical guru himself, Mr. Adam Khan. Adam, good to have you. Hey Greg, how's it going? Great to great to be on with you again. Absolutely, uh, first time of the year. I'm sure we'll have you on a bunch throughout the season, but just wanted to get you on, get your impressions so far of the Union and their first month of play. Yeah, well, it's been so stop and start with all the uh, the two week breaks that they've had. But uh, what's pretty clear is that they've made a few improvements from last season, um, and that they're still not very much in rhythm going forward. But uh, a lot of the underlying numbers suggest that there's a much better offense lurking beneath what they've currently shown so far. Uh, interesting. And I think really the last game so far is the closest to what I think the offense is going to look like, where you got Fafa back in the fold. You have Dutch Kell kind of really get a, getting a feel for his other, uh, for his teammates out on the pitch. And. I think a resurgent Ali Bedoya, who's kind of like this marauding, which you saw echoes of before, but I think with a true number 10 there, who's kind of like this marauding force that's kind of running out of the eight spot. Yeah, I think one of one of the things that makes Bedoya so much more effective is keeping a compact shape because he does try to cover so much ground all the time that mm-hmm. if you stretch out the shape, he's still going to try and cover it, but it's just going to mean that wherever he goes, he's leaving a lot more space behind. And especially in the San Jose game, you could see that they were keeping a tighter shape. And that meant that he could get really close with the other midfielders. And when they closed someone down, you saw a lot of really good one-touch play after turnovers for the union to find an open man and then start a transition. There's a There are a couple instances after turnovers in the union's half where Bedoya and uh, Madunyanin and Rosenberry and Elliott all combine really quickly, and then that allows them to draw in the San Jose midfielders. And uh, Youngworth, in particular, was always getting sucked in, and that left a hole behind him that Deutsch Cow would move into. And a couple times, Bedoya and Madunyanin found him, and uh, after that, it was off to the races. And he put a few balls through to. Uh, to a calm cross field that he got some one-on-ones out of. And also Bedoya got some openings where he could put Pico through. And when the union are able to get Deutsch Cal able to turn and look up in space, I mean, they, they can be dangerous. And right now it's just about figuring out, all right, what type of runs do we need going forward to capitalize on these chances? So you talked about the numbers kind of hinting at a better offense than we're seeing. Uh, can you talk about what you're seeing uh, statistically that, that, that kind of leads you to that conclusion? Yeah. Um, the, I mean, the, it's not just that they're hinting at it. They're, 
suggesting pretty strongly that the Union are uh, are a better team offensively than they've shown so far. Um, the first thing you can look at, if you just look at uh, expected goals this season um, per game, the Union are uh, right up there at the top. I think they're third in expected goals per game this year at about 1.88, which puts them right up there with uh, New York and Houston. Um, they're also the best team in the league at expected goal differential per game right now. They're tied with Dallas at uh, plus 0.92, which means that they're expected to be scoring, um, you know, more than a goal a game better than the opposition. And obviously that's not happening, but what that means is that they're creating a lot of chances that are uh, either they're creating a ton of chances or they're creating a ton of high quality chances. And what you see is that they are second in the league also in shots created four per game. So they're averaging 16.8 shots per game. And they're only giving up uh, 10 shots per game, which is also second best in the league. So you have a team that either they're creating a ton of really bad chances or they're creating a ton of chances that they're just not finishing. And I think if if you go back and look, especially at some of the ones that uh, Sapong has missed this year already, um, and also, of course, the the first one that Pico missed uh, on the Real cross against San Jose, the union are creating chances that in the future you're going to see them score. There's just a high likelihood that those balls are going to end up in the back of the net. And especially when you're averaging almost seven more shots per game than your opposition, you're looking pretty good. Um, and, you know, it's it, you can say it's just some sort of case of unionitis, you know, that this club is cursed in some way they can't finish. But uh, I think, you know, they're going to regress to the mean at some point. And if this is anything like what they really are, then um, they're going to be a fairly good offensive team. Uh, it's just a question of putting the actual chances into the net. So it's something that's kind of been rolling around in my head. So looking at that, you know, having 20-some shots in the last game, it's just something a little more fundamental then. It's something just basically taking your opportunities, going out there and being clinical and finishing at this point. Yeah, I think it's partially about taking your opportunities. They've also created a lot of opportunities from uh, from angles. So I think uh, trying to get slightly better positions in front of goal for these shots, um, they've they've had a ton of trouble penetrating through the center of defenses, and they don't they haven't targeted the center of the box very well so far. Um, and so I think that that's that's a sort of tweak that you get better at as especially as players get used to Deutschkau because he can play some pretty long and accurate through balls. And so I think once the runs are there, and uh, Jim Curtin actually talked about in his press conference today. Um, trying to trying to get their wings to make runs that bring them inside more. And uh, what that means is that they'll be in better positions when they receive the ball to take a shot quickly instead of having to work after they've received it. And one of the issues the Union have had is, uh, you know, against San Jose, you can look in the first minute, they have two opportunities to put the ball into the box. Uh, Pico does before Bedoya even commits the first foul on, uh, on Youngworth of the two early ones he commits. And neither one of them gets through. And and those are the type of instances where even as much as you are generating now, they have these other chances that they're still not turning into shots. And so there are all these different indicators that the Union offense is sort of a, a quality offense so far. I mean, you, you can argue about the strength of competition, playing New England a man down and San Jose on the road, and San Jose did, did not look good defensively. I mean, that was one of the looser midfields you're going to see this year. But at the same time, when you're generating as many chances as you can have, and you can look and see that there's still a lot of crosses that aren't getting in to have a chance to be put away, you can say that there there's a lot of good things going on and just kind of hoping that uh, at some point they start finishing them because 
as long as they can keep that high defensive line and keep a compact shape, they uh, they have the players in midfield to move the ball around. Especially, I think the one touch passing in midfield is something that we didn't see much of last year. And there's a lot more confidence when they're moving the ball now, and that can move a team out of position and open up some lanes. And looking at especially the first half of that San Jose game, there were a lot of times where the Union created holes that their uh, their players then didn't attack. And I think over time, you're going to see them start to recognize where those holes are. And I think especially David Akam a couple of times had a chance to make vertical runs and didn't because he was trying to get involved with combinations. And uh, I think that's something that in the future, if he's taking space and moving forward, you're going to see uh, a lot more generated from his side, which opens up the middle. And at that point, you have some really good chances to finish. Um, I was going to talk about Akam a little bit. He, uh, I think you had mentioned it earlier that he's he seems to be uh earlier in some of the stuff you've written he seems to be taking on a lot more he's not really playing simply he's getting the ball he's getting into traffic defenders are getting drawn to him for sure but it's it's a situation where he's not recognizing maybe to play so much like he just wants to get the ball and do a lot with it at this point uh is is that a fair fair analysis yeah, I think I think it is, and I don't think it's necessarily that uh, all of the time Akam is trying to do too much, um, and that's something that I, I sort of, that's how I framed it originally, and I think I should take a step back from that and say that it's also how the union has set up this season that has tried to create these isolations for him, and in doing so, they often leave him very isolated, both in the sense that he has just a one defender and another arriving to take on, but also he doesn't really have options for moving the ball and the union don't have anyone making runs off of him that can free up space for him to uh, move a defender around and then take his space inside and actually get a shot off. He's tried to do a few combinations inside right at the top of the box and they haven't come off too well. Those will over time. But really what you want to see is when they get him isolated, you still need movement around him so that the defense can't just uh, size him up and add a second defender and then neutralize him. Because if you do that, then you have to recycle the ball back around. And even though the union have good players, when you get David Akam on the ball in the final third, you really want him to have a chance to make something happen. And to do that, you need to make things happen around him. And I think uh, both Akam has been trying to do too much and the union haven't done enough around him to create the sort of chaos that he can thrive in. And additionally, I, I think they're still struggling to find the right positions to get him the ball. Um, in the first 30 minutes of the game against San Jose, they connected with a comma bunch. I think he had something like 20 touches um, and 20 received passes, but none of them were in the box. Um, a few of them were wide of the box. And then the rest of the time he was in, I think he was subbed out right before the goal. So right around the 60th minute, uh, he only received six more passes, but three of those were in the box. And so, you're seeing a little more quantity, but a higher quality of connection there. And uh, two of those were from Deutsch call, actually, mm -hmm. finding him in the box. And I think that points to positive signs that they're looking for him, but also trying to get him in better positions when he receives the ball. And with Pico back in the lineup, it did seem uh, Akam got a little more room because they were able to spread out a little more where you had and, and, and Fafa Pico, a guy that is more committed to playing wide, where Herbers was... You know, Herbers is naturally more center, you know, center leaning player. So he had cut in more. I think seemed to bunch things up a lot more defensively, 
where he had Fafa out there. He's got, he wants to go out. He wants to, you know, take guys one on one and, you know, just use his, use his speed to get by people. So it seemed like there was a little more room for, for a calm, uh, against San Jose. But again, like you said, it's taking advantage of that room. Yeah, and I, I actually think one um, one interesting question for the Union, I mean, they brought in a common, he's always been a, a left wing for Chicago, but with the Union being such a, a right-sided team going forward, and even with uh, Deutsch Kahl in the second half doing really well to, to sort of shift his play over to the left a little bit, the Union are still a very right-sided team, and that's where they build a lot of their attacks, and that's where they seem most dangerous. There, There's a reasonable argument, I think, to be made for trying uh, switching a calm and Pico at times for, for longer sustained periods because getting a calm on the ball and able to do those combinations could be more effective than um, using Pico who likes to likes to run forward and create space. But also we saw last season did really well on the left where he could get isolated and then he could just run into the space and not really try to use the ball too much, but just get on the end of things. And that way you have a calm speed so he can still stretch the field vertically on the right but he can also engage in combination plays with Bedoya and with uh, Deutsch Kahl and Madunian on the right where they all tend to get clustered. And he's a far better combination player than Pico is. And so I think there's, there's a case to be made that given sort of the roster that you have and the talent that you have, uh, David Akam might actually be uh, useful on the right rather than on the left where he's so good at cutting in on his right foot to take shots but in this situation, you're actually trying to move him around a lot more and get him involved, make him more creative at first, and then that gives him space, hopefully, if you're playing it right, to run into spaces and get shots off, even if you know he's not doing it the way that he did at Chicago. And if you have a game like you had against San Jose where your striker doesn't get a shot on target, I forget how many shots he had overall, but nothing was on target, that's going to kind of affect you negatively offensively. So what's... CJ hasn't really I mean we've kind of spoken globally about the offense not quite connecting yet with the different parts kind of all kind of sliding together but CJ doesn't seem like he's quite on the same page with everybody else do you think you know just it's it's like you said it's just going to be reps time gameplay to kind of get him on board with, with Dutch Cal and his style yeah I mean Sapong is underperforming his expected goals by almost two right now, which is, which is a big amount. I mean, that's, that's about the same as, um, you know, Miguel Almiron right now and uh, Justin Miram and Sebastian Giovinco are all sort of in the same area, Ola Kamara. And these are all guys that you expect to start scoring. Um, CJ doesn't have the same uh, consistency record as a Giovinco, um, but, but he's a guy that is clearly getting opportunities. And I think, as long as he can continue to to have confidence and get into the right positions to make the most of those opportunities, they're going to eventually turn into goals. I, I think you saw a bit of a lack of confidence where he dwelled on the ball a bit too much and um, sometimes tried to give the ball up when maybe he should have kept it in the box and tried to draw contact uh, against San Jose. And uh, I think as long as he can uh, stay away from those tendencies and continue to have confidence in his runs and uh, just, try to find more movement into the channels because he's very good this season still at occupying two center backs, but then he hasn't been great at reading when to come off of those center backs and make a run into the channel that'll open up, leave a hole behind him for someone else to move into. And there's a, there's a play in the first half where um, the ball is on the right side. Uh, this is against San Jose and uh, CJ and uh, David Akam are both 
sort of sitting near the top of the box. And when the ball goes deep, Sapong has two defenders following him, and he makes a run inside and um, narrow and actually takes the space that Akam could have had free if CJ would have circled around to the back post. And so it's just those sorts, those sorts of moments, recognizing uh, how he can be beneficial without actually going to the ball and then having the confidence when he gets the ball to just release the shot and just try and find his space and then go for it. I think that's the best way he can get involved. And then you just have to hope that uh, they start going in. I mean, all, all the all the statistical models say the union are, are on the verge of or should be scoring more goals. And uh, yet they are not. So it's kind of a funny thing. And, I thought, and I think it was kind of conventional wisdom that the offense will be fine. It's going to sort itself out. It's the, and the def, and we were all kind of white knuckled about the defense running all these kids out there and not really having a true number six where Harris isn't, you know, the best defensive, uh, uh, center midfielder. He's a guy, you know, he's another deep lying distributor, but he's not a guy that's going to break up a ton of plays. But it's kind of been the opposite where this young back line has played pretty well and it's, pretty much the uh the 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 shining light of the team so far. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, there's there's the play of Rosenberry that so far has been excellent. It's been everything you would have hoped it would have been last year. Um he's been he's been smart with his reads. He's been involved offensively and when he gets involved offensively, I think that gives him uh confidence defensively. He made a great uh inside overlap early in the match against San Jose that just showed he was he was reading the game ahead of how it happened. And um, on the other side, you know, Matt Real has been a little bit conservative uh, going forward, which I, I think is a fair thing for a teenager to do in his first few starts. Um, and he's, he's made some mistakes, and Curtin talked about um, his mistake, uh, how he oriented himself towards the outside man on the goal for San Jose uh, today as press conference. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, I think the big thing is that they have – and, and this is something, you know, I'm a Liverpool fan. This is something Jurgen Klopp talks about all the time is just trusting your ability to step into midfield and be aggressive on the front foot. And um, they've been able to do that consistently from the back, especially the center backs have been very consistent, trusting that they will be able to step into midfield and try to make a play. And that's, of course, they came back to bite them a little bit on uh, against San Jose because that's where the goal came from was when Trusty stepped up. But uh, that was an unlucky bounce, and I think uh, I think you still have to to continue to do that because as long as the center backs are stepping up, it means that even with a, a defensive midfielder doesn't you know isn't probably as agile as most, you can still take up a ton of that space in the midfield and allow everyone else to push forward and press. And the Union's high press against San Jose was was largely excellent. I mean, they create a ton of turnovers in the San Jose's half. They uh, had a ton of instances where when San Jose made a pass, you had another player stepping in to the right uh, open man to make sure that if San Jose wanted to clear the ball, they had to go long. And actually on the on the San Jose goal, one of the things you see is that Bedoya is a step late getting to the, the man on the first pass out of the back. And from that pass, of course, there's a pass that goes by Madunian's foot, and um, then you get the the trusty tackle that goes to the wrong player and off to the races. But that sort of play the Union have been very good at. And it's difficult because that means that's a lot of long sprints. And both Deutschkall and Medunian made a lot of those long forward sprints, two men with their back turned towards goal. 
And that made it very hard for St. Jose to get anything started. And you actually saw Colorado trying to do the same thing to the Union a few times with their number eights coming out of midfield to attack the Union back line. And in the first half against Colorado, the Union handled it well. But then the second half, they, they started going long a bit more and it didn't work out as much. But that high pressure is contingent on being able to sort of control that second level. And this year, the Union have been aggressive enough to do it. And I think uh, it's, a, it's a confidence thing, especially with the young back line. You know, you get scored on once like San Jose, and you don't want Trusty to lose confidence in coming up like that. Because in the end, that, that one problem could lead to a, a lot more if he stops coming mm-hmm. forward. Because then you're giving players room to turn in space. And, and as we saw Deutsch call do to San Jose, that's just, uh, just going to be deadly for the Union if that happens. Yeah, it's really been a revelation, uh, Trusty's play, his ability to carry the ball, but not only carry it, to be positive with it, and and in some instances be the guy that kind of gets things moving offensively, getting kind of running past a couple lines and be able to, to distribute pretty well. We had Pat Noonan in last week. We talked a little bit about the press and just the commitment it takes to maintain the press. You need all, all, ten, all 10 of your outfield guys kind of in it. Do you see this sustainable through the season for the Union? Yeah, I think with with a lot more variance than you'd probably like. I think that's, that's really what you get with the, the young defense is that you're going to see their potential on display some games where they really do show you why they're such highly valued prospects and, um, you know, why uh, you've got Jack Elliott in contention for rookie of the year last year. I mean, these are, these are guys who have high upside, but you're also going to see a ton of variance. You know, they're going to have more confidence issues than a veteran. Um, they're going to have instances where they question themselves and it's a, you know, just a, a matter of getting through that and, trusting the veterans on the team to continue to encourage them and push them forward. And uh, Curtin and his presser today talked about Ray Gaddis being very good veteran leadership, even though he's not playing a ton right now and keeping the confidence high for those young guys. So I really think that's, that's what you're going to have to deal with is you're going to see, you're going to see games where things start to look disjointed and it might go downhill a little bit. Um, and that's the, you know, that's the price of youth. But uh, I, I think that, as long as the the high press continues to be coordinated the way it is, then the union will be fine. I think what they saw last year when they struggled defensively was a ton of long backward sprints for Bedoya and Madunian and the wingers. And I think once you get into that game where you're getting beat through there early enough that the, uh, the defense drops and you get that gap in front of them, um, that's when you're going to have a ton of issues because when you leave them exposed like that, the young guys um, don't have the experience to sort of know how to react on the fly. And so you got to keep them out of those situations. Um, we've talked about Maduni, and I think this was more la- a little bit last year, and that I, I don't think you see it as much this year just because I, I think they're offensively a little more varied. But I think you'd mentioned that Madunian kind of makes you play one way. Because he's a guy that like you know he'll get his hips up and wants to kind of knock the ball long, especially if he's sitting deeper. Where now he's getting the ball from off the center backs a lot. Um, do you still think that's that's true of what he of what you've seen so far this year? And do you think there'll be instances 
where they might need to maybe sacrifice what he does to bring in for a start, like a Warren Cravallo or Derek Jones, just to cover a little more defensive space? Uh, I don't think the Union are as reliant on Madunian's uh, unique set of skills this year as they were last year. And and so far uh, this season, his XG chain statistic, which is sort of indicating how often he's involved in the build-up to a play that leads to a shot, is is one of the best in the league. I mean, he's very involved in plays where he doesn't end up being the shooter, but a shot develops, which tells you that a lot of good things are going through him during the build-up play. And I think one of the differences early this season is that he is involved in a lot more combination play early on, and that's because they're able to play a lot quicker. They're not able to. They are playing a lot quicker when they come out of the back and when they uh, win turnovers. One of the things that's been really notable this season is both Bedoya and Madunian, when they recover a loose ball, they try to play forward as quickly as possible, Um, especially when they win the ball in the opponent's half. Madunian has been very good about, instead of dwelling on the ball where he might have before because he thought he had to create something because he was such a central hub, now he's willing to play quickly, play forward, and then if something doesn't develop, he can collect the ball further up the field and then look to play a longer diagonal or one of his specialties. And there have actually been a couple instances this season where he's looked to play those long crosses into the box for, uh, against, San, against San Jose, it was to Pico, where he probably had an easier look playing on the ground out wide to Akam. And I think he's going to adjust a bit, but the union this year aren't going to be as reliant on him for those unique plays. And instead, they can use him more for his ability to move the ball quickly, uh, retain possession, which he has done very well this year. And um, I think I think it isn't going to – it's going to mean he doesn't stand out as much in terms of his passing, but at the same time, it's going to mean that he's going to be a lot more involved and get more people involved in the buildup instead of bypassing the midfield because you can't string together the passes they need to get out. Interesting. Uh, yeah, and it, it's something I've kind of I've thought about and observed that he's he's a lot more efficient. It seems like this year he's a lot more, uh, and I think just people being a little closer to him, the midfielders being a little closer to him, has helped. Where they haven't had that hole in front where there's no real true number ten. Now there is. There's so he has somebody he can look to and kind of move the ball forward. Or where last year that wasn't really the case. It, it seems. Yeah, I mean that's that's absolutely true. The union's midfield at times. I mean you you saw it last year when uh, whenever they tried to go forward, if they weren't going narrowly up the right side um, and connecting there, then they were playing long. And they were also trying to, I think, get the ball to Medunian in, in space deep, and then spread out to take advantage of his uh, ability to make long passes. Mm-hmm. And I think once teams were any team that was able to negate that. Uh, left the Union in a poor position because then they were playing these long passes through midfield that could easily get picked off and turned back at them. And now they're uh, they're doing much better. You see Bedoya right now um, doing very well. He'll, he'll make forward runs and then he'll cut back hard to receive passes from the center backs at times. And then he'll play one-touch ball with Medunian or Rosenberry. And what that'll do is draw the defense forward and create a pocket of space behind them. And Deutschkall will rotate over there and that's why you see a lot of play on the right still. But at the same time, instead of sort of being the only way the union can get out, 
they can now use it to draw the defense forward instead of forcing the ball up that side. They can draw the defense forward, and if it's not on, they can still rotate the ball back out to Madunian, who can come further up the field, commit to the offensive play because they're going to retain possession now. And at that point, you have a sustained offense. You have the ability to switch fields and find a common space. You have the ability to work a combination play deep on the right side. There was one time, um, I think it was in the buildup to uh, the, the first Pico header against San Jose, where you saw a really nice combination play between Madunianin, uh, Deutschkal, Akam, and Rial before Rial got his cross off into the center. And, and what it meant was that you really had San Jose pinned back and having to commit players out wide which meant there were fewer guys in the box to prevent the cross from connecting. And I think that's the type of thing that you see now more where the union are able to uh, create those combinations, like you're saying, efficient play in midfield instead of looking to basically bypass the midfield because they were struggling to pass through like they did at times last year. What do you see certain players, like um, some of the depth players, what do you see like a guy like Corey Burke, what his role might be? Um, where do you, do you see El Senio? It seems like he's kind of going to be designate, designated the, the, the impact sub to get, you know, half hour, 25 minutes to come in there and just kind of keep the ball and move the ball and do some, do stuff like that when he's healthy and, and good to go. Uh, what do you see some of the roles for some of those, those guys? Well, I think El Senio so far has been, has been largely excellent. He was very good in San Jose. He makes a, he makes a really good run across the box to open the back the back post for Bedoya on the header that, uh, that Bedoya scored on. That comes from Osinho moving his man inside, leaving that back post open, and Bedoya smartly recognized it really quickly and beat um, Wondolaski to the spot and uh, luckily didn't put the ball over from two yards. And something Wondolaski has, has history of. Well, yeah. Quick quick little <laughs> U.S. soccer shot there. Yeah. No, but I, I think that Osinho is, is going to be really useful on the wing because – one of the things that he struggled with uh, last year was, you know, when you're in the center, you're, you're surrounded 360 degrees of defenders. And when you're on the wing, you have the, the touch line as a sort of safety net, right? Cause you're, you're pretty sure no one's, no one's coming at you from beyond the touch line. And uh, that gives him a little bit more time to sit on the ball, um, bring it forward, challenge defenders one-on-one, bring someone else in, but he's not um, losing the ball to uh, guys who are coming up late. And so he can feel more comfortable and it's a really good uh, change of pace. And it gives him another guy who can, uh, who can really shoot around the box. Um, Burke, I, I haven't seen enough of him and they've used him in so many different ways so far this season. Um, what you definitely see is that he's, he's kind of the, the type of player that Curtin really likes, which is just high energy. I mean, as long as you and I have been following the union, these, uh, these high-energy guys come in and um, they get minutes because they, they work their tails off when they're in there, no matter where you put them. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Burke does that. And he's also shown, uh, he's shown some good individual one-on-one moves. And um, the real question is, can he be defensively responsible? And I think both those guys, um, that's a big question because Union still are a team that needs everyone to be on the same page defensively to really survive. And we saw against Colorado, if, uh, if there are ever instances where the winger doesn't track back, you're looking at uh, you're looking at problems because uh, the union can't leave their defense exposed. So overall, you sound pretty optimistic about the union. Uh, just kind of through your analysis and just observing them through the first four games. You, uh, 
So you you just have a really optimistic take on this team currently. Well, I, I yeah, I do couch all of that in quality of opposition so far. Right. Um, you know, I, I think the the Columbus game leaves leaves a lot of question marks. You know, what what happened in that game? Why were they um, why were they unable to create much at all? Um, have they was that a one time thing of them sort of adjusting to each other um, that we're going to sort of see in our rear view now, or going forward? Do you expect um, that to be something that is a recurring issue where teams can, if they keep their fullbacks deeper, really prevent the union from uh, being dangerous for an entire 90? And you can't have that happen at home in MLS and expect to get to the playoffs. So I I do think there are some big question marks. I I still think that uh, there, there are big questions of consistency, especially from a guy like CJ Sapong. If he doesn't get on track early they don't have a real second option they've got you know burke and simpson and those are um you might as well call them question mark one and question mark two you just can't count on goals from either of those guys and so if sapong is not scoring you're left with a sort of perpetual question which is going to be who's going to who's going to score the goals um because you've created a ton of chances if cj's not putting them away who's who's going to be able to put them away uh and that's a that's the sort of question that is going to creep up and um, cause some real issues, especially when you're a team like the, a club like the union really, who has spent so long um, outside of, you know, the range they want to be, which is in the playoffs, which means that you have a shorter leash, even though you're playing the youngest defense in MLS history, you don't have um, the sort of goodwill with the fans that you like (laughs) when you're in this developmental phase. That's an understatement. Um, <laughs> uh, so it, it's it's a little ways off from this, but if you're Ernie and Jim, and they didn't take advantage of it last year, but you have the window coming up in a you know in a few months from now, you know several weeks from now, but is that where you look? Is depth in scoring? I don't know if that's the ideal time to grab that, but is is that the most glaring thing that you see? Uh, that's probably where they, they have the least depth right now. I mean, I think that you you lose a lot if you lose any of the starting midfielders right now. I think there's there's a qualitative difference between those three and whoever could come in to replace them. But at the same time, I, I think that you have the players that you have for those positions. I think, you know, Derek Jones, I think Creval, I think um, Fontana, and even Najem, you have the guys that you've gone through preseason with that you're likely to use in, in the event that you have to use them. Um, I think if CJ doesn't score, if something happens to him and he gets hurt, I don't think you have a ready answer there. I think you have a lot of things that you have to try and tweak, and you don't have a lot of certainty at all with uh, how you're going to answer that. I think Burke is probably the, the most like-for-like replacement in terms of size and physicality. Um, you've also got Fabian Herbers, of course, and you've got Jay Simpson. And I don't, I don't know that you, you start any of those guys and feel any sort of confidence that you are going to dominate a game. Um, and so at that point you, you are left looking for different solutions. Do you move Pico or a common side? Um, do you change your shape a little bit? that you're not concentrating so much on playing uh, on using your striker to occupy the center backs you know do you 
lead that that hole open more often and try and get the center backs to wander out of position because you do have such quick wingers that you can sneak in if anyone leaves their space. Um, so I, I think there are some real questions at that position specifically if uh, anything happens to CJ or if he doesn't get on track this year, which as much as you hope that right now he's a striker that's going to find that consistent form year after year, um, I still think you have big question marks if he doesn't. And just to wrap it up in a bit, but I think the the big cloud that's hanging over this team right now, not only the not scoring, but dropping four points at home, it's early, I get that, but we we've seen the value of a really strong start in MLS. I mean, we saw it in 2016 for the Union, where it you know the strong start propelled them into the playoffs. So dropping points, especially points at home, this early, that's a that's a could be a problem for this team. Yeah, I I agree, and I I think it's especially a problem because they do seem like they're going to high press no matter what, no matter where they are. And that means that they won't be uh, potentially won't be a great team that's able to sit back and attack and steal points on the road. They're going to have to go on the road and play really high quality, high pressure defense. And that's, that's a huge ask for especially young defense, but also for a reasonably old midfield. I think that's the other end of that coin is when you're pressing that much all the time, home and away, you are putting a lot of miles on the legs of your midfielders who are, I think, to a man over 30. I, I forget exactly Deutsch Kahl's age. I think he's but 29, think, uh, but, yeah, he's, he's knocking he's on that yeah, door. So he's, yeah, and, and he's, you know, he's been playing at a high level for, for his entire career. I mean, he's been playing through summer more than once. Um, so so I, think, I think dropping the four points at home is, is big. I think the – Dropping points to Columbus is, is less of a big issue than dropping points to San Jose. I think the teams that are going to be above you in the Eastern Conference, uh, especially the teams that are expected to fight out top, you, you want to do your best to, to knock them back and get those three points. But those are also the ones where um, as long as you can, you can keep them in view, I think those are points that other teams you're fighting it out with for those bot- bottom half of the playoffs. That's where they might drop points at home. So you're less concerned about that than – Western Conference teams coming the length of the United States over to, to Philly to play and just trying to get out with a point and doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's that's a big question mark. But at the same time, you look at you look at Union's record so far, and I think Colorado is the only team that's gotten expected goals above one in a in a game against the Union so far. So you, your defense has been consistent uh, across the games you've played, um, and it's really a matter of whether. Right now, they can put away some of these chances. And if so, I mean, you, you look at how many chances they had against San Jose. That's a game where most of the time you walk away with three points. So yeah. I think you chalk it up to, okay, well, maybe you had some bad luck to start the year. Um, but if you if this is a one-time thing, you know, and San Jose really is that bad on the road, which it is totally possible that they are, given given how that midfield played, um, then then you're looking at some big issues really fast. So I think, uh, I think especially I think there's six games in May, um, I think if you come out of that and you're dropping points at home, then you are in big trouble. I think we'll wrap it up there. Adam Kahn, uh, always a pleasure to get your insight into uh, what the Philadelphia Union is doing. Please tell the listening public where they can read your stuff, where they can contact you. At Philly Soccer Page uh, on Twitter at, at PSP Adam. Philly Soccer Page is uh, just phillysoccerpage.com. 
It's a good website and also uh, occasionally here on this most excellent podcast. And we always appreciate when you can make it on. Uh, well, thank you very much for joining us, and we will check everybody out next week.